right. So uh, Quentin Tarantino walking away from Star Trek kind of surprised me. I I don't know what to think of it, but at the same time, maybe he's transitioning to something else he wants to do for his final film. Look, he he's been talking about wanting to do this film for such a long time, and it's always been in development. End quote. Like he's he's just been pitching this idea for for so long and i think he's trying to see what the audience and like what the general public would think of it i don't think it's ever been like a serious consideration by any studio to have it like an r-rated star trek film i mean i don't i'm think, down for it i mean but i don't think the general public is i mean that's so so different from any type of star trek production that's been out up until now and people are already like kind of on edge about uh the jj abrams reboot and how much action that had in it so for him to like skyrocket all the way over to Quentin Tarantino level, I I don't think he would have been a good fit for it anyways. So I'm not I'm not disappointed in this at all. No, I I agree with you that the choice of him as a director and his style is not is not what Trekkie fans would want, but it'd still be something interesting to see that kind of crossover. Mm-hmm. But is there is there a franchise that you think Quentin Tarantino should jump into? Well, okay, so in kind of thinking about this, if if you want somebody like him that's good with like like a strong western with some twists and turns, the I don't know why, but like the first thing that came to mind for me was maybe doing a remake of of Jonah Hex, oh. that comic book character. I mean, like he's been obviously there was that uh, that one film adaptation of it that wasn't super great at all. What's it called? Uh, Jonah Hex. Um, <laughs> and he, that character's also been in uh, the Arrowverse and Legends of Tomorrow and, and now the big crossover they're doing. So you want to do superhero? Well, if he's wanting to do like the big budget franchise uh, type of film, I think something that already kind of plays to its strengths like that, Jonah Hex would probably be a good fit because it's already grittier, it's already darker, it's a, it's a Western, it's set in like a weird alternate reality. Mm-hmm. So I, I think of all the big budget projects, that would be probably the closest thing that he could get to. I think I think you're on the right track, but you're not there. Oh, well, tell so me I'm where about, I should be, Chris. I'm going to tell you where you should be. You set a franchise that's out in the West. Uh-oh. And the Western. Don't you know, say it. Alternate universe, but oh. not alternate universe. Are Still you going to say Wild Wild West? Wild Wild West is correct. <laughs> you guessed that. Yes. Wild Wild West with Will Smith. Put him in there. Put everyone in there i want it put make dmx in there put uh um who uh uh you're losing momentum chris i am losing momentum you have so many options of characters you could put into there it'll be fantastic so just really lean into the ridiculousness of it all yeah exactly it's it'll be our version of kingsman but um quentin tarantino oh my don't God. you want to see brad pitt in a quentin tarantino film i don't think i knew how much i like, wanted that until okay. now and we've already seen him we've already seen him in a few films but i'm yeah. saying put quentin quentin tarantino brad pitt will smith wild wild west make it happen you you that doesn't excite you no i i'm telling you that that it does oh i had no idea that i wanted that and now i do yeah and make um angelina jolie the spider <laughs> just welcome to the sewn up podcast This is where we talk about movies, shows, games, and whatever the heck we want. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and YouTube. 
I am joined by my good friend, John, and I'm Chris, and we are your co-hosts for the day. John, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. That's That sounded like you were getting real close to a weird radio voice just then. Well, that's just one of the things here on broadcast radio. I'll stop. Chris, this is a conversation. This isn't This isn't radio. I've been watching a lot of the Dan Levitard show, um, which is a sports radio podcast kind of thing. And it's so funny. And it is where I'm just getting the vibe because they have ads that they talk about. And the guy's name is Stugatz. He laughs at everything. His laugh is infectious. But he also does the ad reads for things like, whoa, you're looking at a mattress, Casper mattress, places you can sleep on. So that's what kind of where I'm getting this from. But I'll, st- I'll stop and make it more conversational. Back on track. Yeah, now you're doing it. Um, so we're going to be doing a look back on 2019 for our stories and looking forward to the future in 2020. So, uh, John, you want to kick us off? Yeah. So just kind of thinking about the movies that I've seen this year. Some good, some not so good, some even horrible. I just kind of wanted to talk about uh, what we, what the highlights were to us. It doesn't have to be necessarily the highest like grossing film, highest rated film, just what we liked kind of like some of our top films for the year and then conversely some of the worst films of the year in our opinion unfortunately for me i don't watch a lot of trash films <laughs> <laughs> gonna have to kind of reach here yeah well i mean lucky for I, no one really in the audience really knows i live like 40 minutes 50 minutes away from a movie theater that's going to change in 2020 but i'll be trying to see a lot more movies and maybe i could see those garbage films like you know X-Men Dark Phoenix. Oh, God. Glad so, I didn't see it. <laughs> so, I, so the first movie I've got on my list here for, for some of my top movies, we're going to do top three, bottom three, um, things we're looking forward to in 2020. Okay. Um, what do you have on your list for top three? So top three, I'm obviously a big comic book nerd. Uh, so my t- one of my top movies, Avengers Endgame, uh, I definitely think it just tied together the whole MCU in a nice, neat bow. There were some things I, I loved about it. Obviously, it's not perfect, but I thought it was a really enjoyable film and that the Russo brothers uh, did the best that they could have with it. And it was probably um, the best way to end that phase of or that initial uh, three phases of the MCU that they could have. So I was super happy with that. I think it did a lot of justice for comic book nerds in mm-hmm. general. Um Obviously, everyone saw it because it's, I believe, the highest... Yeah, it is the highest grossing film of all time now. Um, surpassed Titanic. Yeah, they had to re- release it to uh, beat Titanic. They did, but they did it. They, what, they, they got it done. Whatever it takes. Yeah, screw Leo. Oh, my God. Um, so that's, that's definitely on my top. Uh, my next one is Joker. I think it took the comic book genre as a whole and kind of flipped it on its head in a lot of ways. And gave us this gave us this new perspective on what a comic book movie could be. Um, it gave us a more gritty uh, Nolan esque look at the Joker, and I think that it's it's setting up a lot of potential uh, great content in the future. And I hope that they don't just take it and morph it into what it shouldn't be, um, and and try and force that type of movie on other characters. Obviously, with the Penguin movie coming out, um, that's going to be kind of interesting. Uh, potentially Riddler, Catwoman, a lot of the, the a lot of the Batman rogues. Um, but I'm, I'm, it makes me curious to see what they can do with movies now, and not just this MCU cookie cutter kind of film, but really broaden the horizons of what that genre can be. I'm totally fine with cookie cutter, <laughs> but we have discussed this before how DC has the opportunity to break out and do their own thing yes. and be different and. 
I think we're getting that now in a way that it's not uh, poorly executed by Zack Snyder. Yes. So we'll see what comes next. I think you're right to be excited. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of potential with DC movies now, and I think they know where they can go. Uh, so I th- I hope that they explore what the audience wants and not what the studio wants necessarily. Um, but my last one on my top three, uh, I'm just I'm a sucker for big monster fighting movies. Uh, the first Pacific Rim really, really got me good. Uh, I have no idea how this is in your top three. Look, okay, it's it's not the best movie of the year. He's going nuclear. <laughs> it's not. It's not going to be hardly on anybody else's top rated movies or whatever. But it was just a fun movie. It's Godzilla King of Monsters. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm I'm proudly saying it's one of my top movies of the year. Okay. I'm just I'm a sucker for those big monster fighting movies. I thought what they did with Rodan, what okay, what they did with Rodan was awesome, and how he's basically this fire demon, and the the way that they portrayed these monsters to be or like from these Toho people in suits fighting type of monsters that you saw in like Power Rangers, and that's how they were in previous Godzilla movies to take that and then to morph them into this dark gritty sort of realistic um take on these monsters i thought was really entertaining and still grounded enough to not feel like i was watching a cartoon um and to also set up this godzilla versus king kong fight in the future uh in a real way or in an authentic way at least um i thought was really well done and i like I said, I'm, I'm just a sucker for watching monsters punch each other in the face. And Ghidorah was awesome. I thought Mothra was really well done. There were so many things that could have been super dumb and cheesy about this movie that I think they executed well enough to warrant pursuing a franchise. Not, no, I'm not going to say that everything was done 100% great, but it was done well enough. And I think that was it was entertaining. And I'll sit back and enjoy my popcorn, popcorn movies all day long. It was It was good for me. And you're giving me this face, and I hate it. You've been, you've been, you have been hypnotized by Mothra. I, well, I'll okay. give you this. I'll give you this. Was it a good movie? Um, was it like an entertaining movie? Absolutely. I think so. But of the movies I saw, I was just like, of the movies I know you've seen, I just don't understand how it's in your top three. Look, I just I want to turn my brain off every once in a while. There's so much stuff going on in the world right now. So this is your Fast and the Furious, basically. It's my escapism movie. I Mothra was my Vin Diesel, is what I'll say. <laughs> I'll put it that way. And so The Rock is Godzilla, then? Well, yeah. Oh, Vin Diesel. Wow, what a slap in the face to Vin Diesel. Man... Did you see what Mothra did? Did you see Hobbs and Shaw? Yeah. You saw, we saw it together. We did. <laughs> you're yeah. putting this in about... I, I don't know. Okay. You're, that's your top three. Let me have this, Chris. I will let you. You can make fun of my top three. You want to hear it? I do want to hear it. All right. Ford versus Ferrari. Fantastic. I know this came out a few weeks ago for me, and it's fresh in my mind, but it has my favorite car of all time, the Ford GT40. It has uh, incredible acting from Matt Damon and Christian Bale. Every everything he gets, he kills it. He really commits as an actor, and he was fantastic. He was amazing. He's the the shining spot in this movie, and the way his dynamic, 
the way his performance is portrayed with his relations with Matt Damon is it's incredible. It's uh, most of the time we see Matt Damon as kind of the person who's not the father or the the person on top. He's uh-huh. not really the management guy uh, in most of the movies. Like what we see with uh, Clooney in Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, yeah. Thirteen. He, you know. That was mostly reserved to George Clooney and Brad Pitt. And I kind of see the roles reversed here where um, if you take that type of movie where Matt Damon is kind of the one calling the shots mm-hmm. and when he starts working for Ford in this movie, he has to know how to work with someone who doesn't understand his philosophy. So uh, he is an amazing... It, it, it was his time to shine and I'm glad I got to see Matt Damon do that, but... I would give Christian Bale a much bigger props on this performance that he had. So, Ford vs. Ferrari, ex- exciting, great uh, portrayal of the of the Le- of Le the Mans? racing, the Le Mans, yeah, <laughs> and the the Shelby Cobra is also in this movie, which was cool to see. So, it's just great sound design, great acting overall. It's a plot that is already out there. It's based on a true story. So that was no surprise. I knew what the end result was going to be, but still had a lot of fun and still on the edge of my seat in this movie. Nice. Next one, Avengers Endgame. Duh. Duh. As Billie Eilish would say. <laughs> Duh. Uh, but yeah. How, how can you not have Avengers in this uh, in my top three. Also, I like comic book or comic book movies. I never read comic books growing up, but I thought superheroes were really cool. So that's why this makes it into my top three. Just the culmination of all the properties. And I rewatched it the other night. Still great. That oh, yeah. still the Mjolnir scene, fantastic. And the pacing of the movie, it never felt like wow, this movie is three and a half hours. It never felt it. It felt like. You know, two and a half hours. It wasn't like it was sitting through Lord of the Rings wanting to blow my brains out. Yeah, just one thing, one after another. Yeah, the, the pacing the pacing was pretty good. And then my third top three movie. Wow, what, what's going on with you there? I know, right? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. Yes. We were just talking about Quentin Tarantino. That's why I was like taking a pause on it. Oh, fair so enough. So great. I love, I like history, and I like how Quentin Tarantino just slightly adjusts it. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I was watching, I was watching a a film. I was watching some YouTube videos, and they were they were just making a bunch of big montage of a bunch of things. And they there was a some animation or something like that that had someone on a plane. Oh, no, it was Casey Neistat. He did made a YouTube video of him on one of the nicest uh, planes. And uh, he was like in one of the most expensive plane t- tickets ever. Okay. They just posted this a couple days ago. And it showed a scene from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on the television in his seat. And I just knew right there when we were writing this up, I was like, how could I forget? It's so good with the flamethrower scene, the dynamic... Uh, between um brad pitt and just the crazy people mm-hmm. and showing us that you don't have to say a lot in an acting role to really portray who what you're all about kind of like mandalorian yeah where pedro pascal we don't see his face we're not seeing him 
we're not seeing him doing anything extra special with dialogue. And because he wears a mask, we reflect that. And I think it's a lot harder to not have a mask and have the audience still uh, relate to you. So that's why Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is part of my top three. Okay. Fair enough. That's a pretty strong list. Ah, I think so. Let's go to the bottom ones. Oh, God. You want me to start off or you want to do it? Oh, I kind of want to go. Oh, go for it. All right. So, uh, wow. Where do I start? So, there were... This is the year, I feel like, just for reboots and remakes and to rehash a lot of things and to, to dig up old franchises that probably just should have stayed dead. And I I don't like this whole era of reboots that we've gotten into Uh just in the last like five or six years even um well they're rebooting the wrong movies yeah well and in the wrong ways too like they're not doing it to develop a good story they're doing it to just remind people of the ip that studios have yeah they got they got the right with with your with your one of your choices i think they got the movie right but they got the or they got the actor who was in the movie at first right but they picked the wrong franchise it should have been wild wild west Oh my god. Well, in that kind of vein of things. So Men in Black International, that's the first one I want to hit. They so it's Chris Chris Hemsworth and um remind me of her name. Um You're talking to the wrong person right Oh that. my gosh, wow, this is great. So <laughs> so you're, you're I'll look it up. That's fine. Um so you're diving back into a franchise that was already goofy enough and probably shouldn't have worked as it was. But because of the chemistry uh, of the two main characters and the original three, I think was really the only saving factor of that type of, uh, of story. Um, so for them to revisit that with these brand new characters, it really just felt like they wanted to retell the story with modern technology. And uh, the, the, like the plot itself was just just dragged on and didn't feel like we ever went anywhere i heard like the first five minutes were really good and then it just fell apart there yeah i mean it's it's a good opening fight scene and like oh you're gonna feel so dumb tessa thompson oh i do feel dumb i'm sorry (laughs) sorry tessa now you know how i feel every time we do this oh my god i feel like you chris oh you peasant um so like there it could have been good, I feel like, in the right circumstances, but it's just, it's the type of movie that ever, like, once every hundred years, I feel like, comes together in the right way, and they just, I feel like they forced it, and then the ending was just a mass of CGI, and it, it was just, Chris Hemsworth, I feel like, was acting in a very different movie than what they wanted, and all of it just felt very disjointed, and the writing was bad, it felt like you were cramming in fan service in the wrong ways, it's not a great franchise in that like it's it's ready to be rebooted and i'm i'm i hope that they don't push any more of these out so but, was it a reboot or was it a cash grab cash grab okay yeah. kind of like because i thought i thought independence day was a reboot and not a cash grab but it was just such a poorly done reboot yes yeah it was them again it's 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 when studios want to redo a story with better technology and they feel like they can get away with more and make it bigger. And with, with independence day, they just wanted bigger action. Uh, that director's known for his giant set pieces. And so for him to, to, to reboot that there, they just went beat for beat 
what the original did and it didn't really do anything new and that's frustrating as a as a as an audience member because you want to see a new story you want to see fresh ideas and maybe inject it into a into a universe that already exists but in a new way well the um, young people they got to play um the younger generation of fighter pilots in that movie were awful yeah even though was michael b jordan or was it a different guy no it was a different guy yeah that's what i was like this guy sucks yeah uh, just none of it none of it really worked speaking of uh cast put together and to remake a thing that just didn't work for me the lion king like so this is this is what's frustrating to me as as a as a person with a brain where you you recreate a movie entirely on a computer and then try and sell it as a live action remake like i love john favreau and he's doing an incredible job with the mandalorian go check out our mandalorian reviews here on on anchor uh and itunes and spotify and youtube um, <laughs> yeah add in at the end and everywhere else you get your podcast yes um so <laughs> he is super talented and i love what he's done with the mcu and with these other comic book franchises um but for him to just remake beat for beat almost the original lion king and not and the only thing that he carried over from the original was james earl jones which already made it kind of disjointed because you have uh an entirely new cast, an entirely new visual uh, medium, and yet you still have that one constant voice because you can't replace him. But mm-hmm. then why remake the movie at all if you're going to carry over these things from the original? And again, it, it's it's they're not exploring anything new with the story. They're not doing anything differently. They're just telling it in a much more visually interesting way. Where, again, and uh, speaking of visuals when you have cartoon lions dancing and singing you can express a hundred different emotions when you have a, a a visually accurate lion trying to sing and not even dance just walk um you can really only express one emotion maybe two maybe awake and hungry but that's about it so there's no real emotional diversity in these characters so you can't even really get a sense for what they're trying to convey do you think if andy circus did the motion capture for these lines it'd be better no <laughs> no you don't like, think he can get them to emote no because i no i don't think he can i think he could do planet of the apes because they're all just trying to be intense and well, that's that's the big criticism i didn't see the reboot but I heard people coming out of the movie were just like, it was just so jarring. And to see lions talking to each other and trying to convey emotion with this stoic look on their face at all times. That's the thing. I just, it's it's a cash grab. And, and I think Disney gets a lot of things right. But I think they're just pumping out reboot after reboot of their original cartoons and like there's the there's the little mermaid one coming out i think the mulan uh remake looks interesting because it's done differently enough okay and i feel this way about music too where Mm. if you're going to do a cover of something or remake something you need to have it be different enough to be distinguished on its own and you need to try enough new ideas to contribute to the original rather than just re like just bury it and cover it up so with with movies i'm cool with with redoing the story but this is what i was thinking about with the lion king if they had just tweaked a few little aspects of the story like maybe there's more depth to when when scar uh let go of mufasa and he got trampled to death 
maybe other lions saw what happened and there was more drama in in scar trying to take over the pride um, where you give this other level of of intensity and depth to the story rather than just rehash what's already been done um maybe something happens to simba when he's out growing up uh maybe he and nala don't actually get together i don't know like, or flip it on its head uh scar yes is the one who falls into the ravine and it's mufasa who lets him die Ooh, and then mufasa goes dark and mufasa goes dark well maybe mufasa's just a shitty dad maybe well, why don't we get that dynamic? I feel like that's something our generation needs. <laughs> that's pretty relatable. <laughs> For all of you who have daddy's issues, please look at Lion King reboot. Oh my gosh. Reboot, Any- uh, what did they do? They did like the 2.0 or the 1.5s of yeah. the Lion Kings that they did yeah. for cartoons. So let's get Lion King one and a half. And it's where Mufasa, it's an alternate universe where Mufasa lets Scar die and... <laughs> And uh, Simba has a bunch of guilt. But see, even that, like, like I, I feel like I would be more okay with them changing the original material if it, it, if it was in service of a better story that they could tell through this new medium where they don't have to have dancing lions and singing lions. Like, just, just do some. I don't know. I'm getting or too much of a give rant. us the perspective of the hyenas. Some, Let's something. give us the hyena kingdom and how they interact with the Lion King. Yeah, yeah, this sounds like a direct-to-TV kind of kind of movie, but... Shut up. My ideas are golden. You don't... Listen, Wild West... Wild Wild West 2. Yes. The Lion King... Not reboot, but the Lion King Hyena Edition. These are great ideas. Okay, you had one good idea, and then one... I feel like it could maybe be like a B-movie kind of thing. Let's, let's Wait, are you saying Wild Wild West 2 is B-movie, no, or is that the good idea? That's top tier, like your best idea you've ever had. We're going to try and submit that and pitch it to the studio. Anyways, <laughs> I'm saying this is Disney we're talking about. Disney oh. original. Yes. Disney Plus. Oh my God. So <laughs> the last movie on my list uh, is Glass. And it's on it because I I like what, what uh, M. Night Shyamalan's done with Unbreakable and with Split. And with Split, I feel like it was the sequel that we didn't know we wanted, but we appreciated the movie more because of the twist at the end that gave us that perspective of the universe it was in. And it, it made things interesting, and it made us want to see more and what other types of characters were out in this world. But with Glass, I feel like it, it tried to tie together everything that was out there while still like throwing out new ideas, but never fully paying off anything. And I, I feel like it did a disservice to the characters that were there. Um, and I get that it's supposed to be this like Nolan-esque, like super realistic world where there's not really powers. There's just enhanced people to a degree. Um, but I just don't feel like it, it landed where he wanted it to land, um, and, and paid off the ways that he wanted it to. Uh, so I, in a world of, of all of these comic book movie and superhero genre films, if you're going to subvert people's expectations, I feel like you need to do it in a way that makes sense and that also does the characters justice to where you don't have Bruce Willis die in a puddle and like his powers are negated around water and I get that and it's it's superhumanizing for him whatever but I just for what it was and what he set up in the previous films I don't feel like it landed the mark for where he won where he should have been able to land it um and he's definitely on the upswing, I think. Um, 
his, his are you talking about Bruce Willis or M Night Shyamalan? Sorry, M Night Shyamalan. So, well, okay. So his his show on Apple TV looks really interesting, and I feel like he's got a lot of good ideas as a storyteller. He's just kind of been hit or miss as far as what's worked and what isn't. Is, is that the twist? Maybe his career's the twist. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. is M Night M Night Shyamalan's career a just an epic twist written by Ryan Johnson? You just broke my mind. <laughs> so anyways, what are your bottom three-ish movies? So one of my bottom three movies is actually in your top three. Oh my god. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. We're going to fight Chris. <laughs> I just... it was So to preface my list, I didn't watch a lot of trash movies. Like it, I'm the type of person who's like... I'll check Rotten Tomatoes. If it's okay, I'll go see it. Things like that. And I did go see this with you. I was interested. I was like, hey, I want to see uh, a fighting movie or anything like that. I'm not going to go out of my way to go watch like an emoji movie, anything like that. God, That no. might change in 2020 where no. I want to get more into this podcast. No. But I feel like a part of me will die at the same time. Yes. So uh, we went to go see this and I enjoyed it. But compared to all the movies I've seen this year, it has to make the bottom. Fair enough. And there was one, there's one really great scene that I'll give the movie credit to, which is the jump scare when Godzilla is in the ocean and they're in this underwater facility, which is a stupid, awful idea. Yes. It's just having that facility out there and Godzilla just sneaks up on them. That scared the living, that's, <laughs> that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> like I was genuinely like frightened and when I... Uh, I wanted to scream, but nothing came out when that thing just passed by. The sound, once again, sound design. Doesn't get enough credit. Amazing. But there's just so many things in this movie. I was like, how? Why? I know this is a monster movie. When you tell me, like, Godzilla has a hidden den in the Atlantic. Not even near Japan. In the Atlantic. Where it goes to rest. And Ken Watanabe has to bring a nuclear bomb to revive him no spoilers by the way in this den that's got molten lava and all this stuff like and it just i just didn't get it look man it's an underground system of tunnels that connect everywhere across the world it doesn't have to be just in japan it could be anywhere but that's the thing ken ken watanami was my favorite part of the movie but the family with the kid i was just like i i could care less you gotta turn your brain off man one of those movies just enjoy it for a big monster fighting movie it is and it's already trying to connect to the first one where i guess the son died yes and this time it's about the daughter yeah of the family yeah so the the, trying to the son was killed because of the godzilla attack and so that's why they hate godzilla and they're super protective of the daughter it led to their divorce blah 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 if they had focused more on that story in a way that felt genuine but then they added like there's a bad guy involved who the mother's working for doesn't realize it's bad. Dad is also messaging the daughter about all this stuff. It just it gets convoluted, especially with the story of like oh there's another monster and there's all these research team you need to take out these eco terrorists and all this other stuff. It's just too much. Look, man, I don't go to Godzilla to critique the human dialogue. I go to Godzilla to critique. To, to critique the monster fighting. No, it's the monster fighting was great. Hands down. That's what I'm saying. And the danger felt real. The monster fighting was great. I'm just saying. Of the movies I saw, this made it my bottom three. Fair enough. All right. Cold Pursuit with Liam Neeson. I went to go see this thinking, 
I was one of the few people on Earth who liked The Grey. I mean, it was a good movie. The Grey? You liked it? I did like it. Hell yeah, dude. You and I did not see that together. We didn't know each other at the time. That's fair. I had other friends that I saw the movie with, and they were disappointed. And I walked out like, I kind of liked it. <laughs> exactly. That people, and I remember walking out of the theater, and people just being annoyed with that movie and how the way it ended. And I was like, it's not about the ending, it's about the journey. <laughs> this movie is hilarious. Once again, I don't go out of my way to watch a lot of trash, but... This movie is not trash. This movie's hilarious and it it's almost like Fargo. The way the storytelling, the plot, it just felt a little hollow at times. The humor is great. Uh, uh between there's two factions, there's like a drug lord who acts like a like a early gen early uh millennial, like okay. a 1980s millennial okay who has a son and he's a dick to and he's just kind of cruel uh and then there's the other faction which is a bunch of native americans and somehow they get into this war and the situations like i told you earlier today there there's a domino effect with the decisions that are made and the pretentious uh jerk dad who uh you just root against all the time it's just so hateable, almost like a Joffrey. And I just I just like how Liam Neeson is shoved into this plot somehow to to fix it. His son dies in it, and so he tries to find the people. It's like Taken and Fargo put together. That's the perfect way to put this together. He's being so typecast. It's just a vengeful dad in everything now. It was. You know, <laughs> he lost his son to an overdose, and the, the drugs go up to this pretentious jerk uh 1980s millennial and as someone who is a millennial i'm not that type and i'm the i'm the i'm the new age millennial but the the movie was just hollow and like enough action there was suspense and stuff like that but there's no big action set piece or anything like, uh, along those lines it was more comedic and the ending was okay until you get to the very very end something hilarious happens and uh unfortunately i have to put it on my bottom three list everything else i saw this year was better fair enough and then the last one to preface i did not see this movie but i'm doing this for the fans i'm doing this for the people john you know i'm a man of the people or i think i am well you you're pushing for a baby yoda death hold on how much you are i in this for, instance, for the are. greater good, they will thank me later. X Men: Dark Phoenix has to be the worst movie come out this year for uh, they say AAA in video games for the blockbuster market. This thing was a big, big bomb. Yep, and it makes me happy. I almost forgot this movie came out this year. Yeah, that's why I was surprised not to see it on your list, but you didn't see the movie either. But I've seen so many, I was telling you this earlier, I've seen so many clips on YouTube of scenes strung together. That I, I mean, I know what happened. I've seen all the big action set pieces. I've seen how bad they are. Oh, God, it's just such a poor movie. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to go much into it because I didn't see it. But I just, uh, when I, and I like the X-Men movies, but when I saw this trailer and all this stuff, at first I was like, yeah. But as more trailers come out where, you know, it shows a, uh, Sophie Turner, she's like, this feeling, it feels pretty good. I'm like, 
this feeling in my stomach, it does not feel very good. <laughs> well, and see, that's so that's been X Men or like the the Fox X Men movies' biggest problems is that they they have all these major comic book arcs, uh, like Days of Future Past, like Apocalypse, the Phoenix Saga, and they do them all in like one movie. That's the problem. Yeah, they th- that the comics have spent years building up to these big events and then spent another long time developing them and and finishing the story out yeah and then they decade hop but the characters don't age which which makes no sense and, it's, and i heard this was the worst one of the decade hop well, like as far thing. as like what the characters look like because then you have another less than 10 years before uh uh the original x-men movies are come out came out which this is supposed to be tied into so in l- less than 10 years you've got uh Xavier turning in from point A to point B and all <laughs> looking of these characters... like uh, Patrick Stewart. Exactly. All these characters are supposed to age dramatically. I don't know. Anyways, doesn't make sense. You're right. Definitely, definitely bottom tier movie. Just, just bad creative, creative um, choices on this. And I liked X-Men first class. I liked days of future past. I thought apocalypse was pretty bad, but it was still kind of enjoyable. Like we talked about a little bit earlier today, the destructo destruction and the powers are really cool, but still falls flat. Yeah, there there are a lot of a lot of good things that they kind of hinted at or started to get into, but I feel like there's just so much studio involvement and they just didn't fully know what they could do with those characters, and it it just there's so many bad choices. So many, so many, so many. All right, but you know it's not a bad choice, huh? Our picks going into the next year. Man, 2020 looks like it's going to be a great year for movies. I'm super excited about what's coming out. I am too. I think there's going to be a lot of surprises this year. Yeah. So. Uh, so one of my... Uh, just Okay, look. We're just going to start off with this one just to get it out of the way. I'm excited about Godzilla vs. Kong. I don't care what you say. I think it's going to be a great movie. I've seen... That I'm still going to see it. Look, I've seen that one clip that they they showed off about Godzilla and Kong with Kong punching Godzilla on top of an aircraft carrier. It looks stupid good. I'm going to watch it. Godzilla or Kong has grown up so much since the 70s when the first one took place. It's going to be a lot more of an even match than I thought. And I don't care I don't care if the story with the people is dumb. I want to see two big monsters fight and it's going to be super entertaining. So just give me a movie where they fight and just take the people out of it. Make yeah. make people in buildings getting killed by the monsters. That I'll take. Yep. And it might maybe introduce the idea of Mechagodzilla or uh, Destroya or some of the other giant monsters. Maybe there's something else in play that we don't know about yet. Who knows? I'm curious. I'm going to go see it. It's going to be fun. I'll take Mechagodzilla. All right. What else is on your... What else are you looking forward to in 2020? So then getting into real ideas. So <laughs> the Some real movies. <laughs> Look, man, I know where I know where I stand. I know who I am. Uh, so the Eternals, uh, I'm really excited for just this whole new phase of of MCU movies and these new types of characters they're introducing. Um, like no one knew who the Guardians of the Galaxy were. Uh, before James Gunn made that movie. Mm-hmm. No one really even knew who Iron Man was before uh, Robert Downey Jr. took over the role. And so for them to take this uh, Jack Kirby B-list type of, of uh, idea of characters and push them to the forefront where they've apparently been involved with events of the MCU since the beginning and like they've always been around 
and to see how they're going to tie that all in with a great cast first of all um spanning with a with a story spanning over the events of over thousands of years um it's the idea of the eternals is really interesting to me and then to see how it's going to work in real life and introduce uh the black knight with uh kit harrington and how that is going to play into avengers films in the future there's it just it's going to expand so much of what the mcu is and i'm really excited to see this direction that these that the risks that the studio is taking now because because they have the money now to to make a bunch of risks and to see how it all pays off so we're not getting i hope it's not just a, another kind of like cookie cutter conventional movie like we've talked about but it's it's i hope it continues to push the boundaries of the types of stories we're able to tell with uh characters that are going to surprise the general public and be really entertaining for a lot of people i'll take cookie cutter i think i haven't seen a lot from this movie but uh i from seeing what is that actor from silicon valley oh uh Kamal Nanjiani. Yeah, he showed off his abs this past weekend, <laughs> and like it blew up on the internet. And I like how he gave credit to. He's like, I'm. I like. I. This is what it is. It's like I'm getting in shape for a year, you know. And he's talking about how, uh, like, he has the best nutritionists in the world because of Disney's paying them. And he he also pat himself on the back that he had a lot of control to get it done but he's like in a million years would i not be able to do this without their help or without like this regiment i wouldn't have tried well and disney like with the mcu characters they they have to be in a certain physical condition to portray these types of superheroes yeah so like i get that it's it's incredibly wearing on these people's bodies to do this but for them to have the commitment and not just wear a bunch of super padded suits like these people really commit to making these movies. I know Shazam. Were you thinking Shazam? No, I was. Okay, I, I had a joke that was kind of terrible. Fair enough. Do you think they hired um someone who studies arachnids to uh, help with Angelina Jolie's nutrition? Arachnids, you know, because she's a spider. Oh my god! Tie <laughs> <laughs> that back. I I just I'm just harping on her being. <laughs> she's a mechanical spider and she's a mechanical spider and she's there to ruin brad pitt's day fair enough wild wild west to make it happen oh god it's all gonna come back to that so yes. uh yeah i mean they these people really want to make these movies the most that they can be and i'm again super hyped about this movie and and the last one on my list that i don't know anything about but makes me super interested in it did is, you know they dropped a trailer today for it Chris, why are you telling me this now? <laughs> uh, I got prepared. I, I just, uh, it's either today or last night they dropped a movie. This is the movie Tenet. Yes. Yes. And it looks bizarre. It looks so Christopher Nolan. It looks like Inception Christopher Nolan. Yes. And it's going to, I don't know, going to see this, I better have like a free schedule so I could just. And you see it at like 11, p- 11 a.m. And just like, think about it. And just like at the end of it, just like have soup or something, ramen by myself in a corner. And then just like go out to the beach and just like watch the waves and like think about this movie for like hours on end. That's the thing. Like I like I love the mystery behind it. And it does, it's like an unnecessary mystery. Like you could tell us the plot. It's probably not necessary that we don't know, but it, it makes it intriguing. And the fact that I don't know anything about it. And the fact that it's Christopher Nolan makes me even more interested 
because I love the movies that he has already put out and his idea and, and uh, the way that he plays with time in all of his movies is super inter- interesting to me. So for him to take on this type of project and to just shroud it in mystery, I'm super excited about the potential for this type of story. And I'm, if you think I'm not going to go watch the trailer as soon as we're done with this, you're wrong. But so those are my top three. Uh, looking forward to 2020 Godzilla versus Kong, the Eternals and Tenet. Oh. I I like a few of those choices, uh, and I'm I'm probably going to see all three of those movies that are on your list. So it'll still be cool to see. Now let's see if you'll see any of the things on my list, because I think two of them definitely. One of them probably not. I'll see them all. Okay, reading the script here, I'll see them all. <laughs> First one is 007 No Time to Die. I definitely am excited for this movie. I want to see it. I want to see how they uh, send Daniel Craig off. Yes, and I'm. I just I like the James Bond movies. What can I say? Why you are? I don't know why. Look, I'm... okay. So just so everybody knows, it's uh, right now it's eight thirty eight. <laughs> We're gonna go see the Rise of Skywalker at a midnight showing tonight. Uh-huh. It's been a long day so far. What's wrong with yawning? Uh, just saying. Just uh, listen. I understand. You've been at work today you you work the nine to five it's like i've been up since 5 30 chris you've been up since 5 30 in the morning you've been up for what let's see 15 hours now you've been up for 15 hours now i have been up since 1 30 p.m oh my god you suck you know i have i have no schedule really right now just going with the motions i might sleep for five hours i might sleep for like eight hours who knows i'm just going with the motions dude Fair enough. Okay, so continue. My yawn is a sympathy yawn for you. I I do it it. for you. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome, my friend. Okay, 007, No Time to Die. We've already talked about this on podcast, but I am extremely excited for this movie. And then it is followed by Wonder Woman 1984, which I have high hopes for. Patty Jenkins is amazing with everything she touches. I think this is also going to be one of those movies that is amazing with Pedro Pascal coming into them. I wish the trailer had kept uh, Steve, uh, 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 Chris Pine's character. Yes, Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor. I, I wish they so kept him saying Steve Rogers, and it was very Steve wrong. Steve Rogers, <laughs> ma'am. Um, but yeah, Steve Rogers. I'm Steve Trevor. <laughs> On your left. On your left. Steve Trevor, I wish they would have kept this secret of him coming back in this movie. I would have been more interested. But trailers do that sometimes. But I and I a lot was shown in this trailer. Yes, it got me hyped, but there will be no surprises, I think, except for some plot twists that'll happened. But besides that, I saw too much. But yeah. I'm still excited. Still haven't seen all the cheetah stuff, so that's gonna be interesting how they do that. Because that's not Patty Jenkins' problem. That's marketing. Yes. And then my final pick that I want to see in 2020 is Ooh. Sonic the Hedgehog. Look, okay, so I I think that we as an audience who revolted against the studio deserve, or the studio, <laughs> at the very, the very least we can do for the studio that, that worked so hard to appease the, the fans is we could all go see this movie because the creators and the, the CGI artists that spent so much time fixing this character they've done a great job i think with it they've also shut down well okay well we're not doing it for them specifically 
but the idea of them. That's a studio issue. But the the studio that did get contracted to do the re the uh, the reworks on Sonic the Hedgehog CGI closed down. Uh, that news came out earlier this month uh, that they just the money that they got from the contract wasn't enough, and they went under. You know and what other movie they worked great... on? Huh? You know what other movie they worked on? You did tell me this. I did, and they were really. It was a really good movie. No, it was Lion King. No, they did another one though. Probably. Lion King was visually stunning though. It was, but the quality. Never mind. Okay, so that's a rant for another Come time. Come on. Come on. Give them the credit they deserve. <sighs> yeah, that's Parts right. Parts of but, it look good, but it's not a good story. So we as the fans got what we wanted from Sonic the Hedgehog. We revolted. We got the changes. I think it is everyone's job to go see this movie. For better or for worse, but I am also seeing it because of the crazy uncle we all know when we grew up, Jim Carrey. Yes. Jim Carrey in a zany, wild role, almost Ace Ventura-like. Is he going to be like that? No. Is he ever going to be go back to prominence? Very unlikely, because people just think he's insane. And it's right. He is insane, but he is funny, and I want to see... Sonic the Hedgehog for for him and I'm not really um I'm not really too keen on the actor who plays the the main protagonist the human James, James Marston. Yes. I'm not too crazy on him as an actor. I'm sure he's a really nice guy, but that's like that's what I'm kind of worried about going into this movie. Okay. Is him. Not so much Sonic and his voice acting and all the hijinks he does. It's mostly James Marston. That's fair. Yeah. But yeah, I'm definitely going to go see that movie. I I feel like I owe it to them. You do. Just as an individual, it's my fault that they had to remake it. So I have to be the one to go see it. And everyone else who has a Twitter, everyone else who has a Reddit username, you all owe it to Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> all of you do. Whether you think about it or not, whether you care or not, you owe it to him. Yep. So... We're getting towards the end, but John, I want to know, what are you watching right now? So, in thinking about this segment of our show, this is the first time that I don't think I've seen any new content or types of shows or movies in a week, and that's weird for me. So, I was looking through what's on my list to see, and what I think I'm going to check out next is a show on Netflix... um, it's called the movies that made us and it's they've had they had another type of thing like it out there called the the toys that made us but it looks really interesting um i heard about that one the toys that made us yeah uh so i'm I'm on netflix's page right now and just scrolling through season one there's four episodes and it's going to talk about dirty dancing home alone ghostbusters and die hard oh my gosh and just kind of a deep dive into those movies and what makes them so great and relevant to pop culture still um so that i feel like is going to be really interesting to see their take on all this and to get a deeper look into those movies that i i do enjoy so you know it's a little something different i haven't seen it yet but i'm hopeful that it'll be good i saw a facebook post about a reddit post of joe pesci someone who is very very young meeting joe pesci in the early 90s after he did home alone and the kid was like can i get your autograph and the the guy's recalling it and he's joe pesci's like 
who's your favorite actor? And the young kid says, Joe Pesci, you. And, the, and Joe Pesci hands him $100 and he's like, good answer, kid. <laughs> yes. And it, 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 what that, I hope that story's true because that helps bring up the lore of Joe Pesci just being a badass. Just but don't like ever, Bill Murray. Just don't ever call him funny, though. Mm. Inside jokes. Also, do you think I'm funny? No. <laughs> Wait. And you know what I'm referencing, though, right? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> and shine boxes, too. Okay. No shine boxes. Oh. Although I did see someone that we know, or that we used to work with, post a great meme of Billy's shine boxes. And it was an immaculate meme of Billy Bats with a shine box that said, Go get your effing shine box. Oh my gosh. Oh, it was good. It was like a 1950s kind of billboard. It was uh, hilarious. It was too good. But uh, what I'm watching right now is Disney Imagineering. I just finished the series. Ooh, so good. It is the Disney Kool-Aid that I need and so excited for. Um, so now I have to find another series to finish up, which uh, with all the free time in the world I have until after the holidays, uh, I'll find something. I'm hoping to get to finish The Clone Wars. Yeah, definitely worth uh, definitely worth finishing. It's going to be... I think I think the, the last couple of seasons are pretty strong. I think yeah. you're really going to enjoy them. I'm... I, I just got two more episodes of season two and then go into season three, which I hear gets better and so on and so forth. So I'm still behind. I just kind of got bogged down with better stuff to do. (laughs) Being a productive member of society. I'm trying. I really am. Uh, But so before we go, we have to mention that uh, we will not have any new podcast episodes after this one until January. So if you want to give feedback to us, comment uh, on our stuff, comment where you can, uh, send us feedback on Facebook if you want about some new content you want to see in January, uh, some things you want to see change, and then uh, we'll listen to that and see what we can do to make the the show better, because that's what we want. We want to keep this going, and uh, we're also going to take a little bit of a hiatus for the holidays to be with our family. So you'll probably get a Mandalorian review after this for the season finale episode eight and that will be it for a little bit is how there much you got how how bad of a podcast would we be if we reviewed a series up into the up to the finale and then just left it just never touched it again i'm sure i'm sure we could come up with some conspiracy theory of how that happened probably that but would no. be good yeah so besides that i mean looking forward to 2020 think 2019 was a good year overall some ups and downs uh just kind of looking back on it all i had a it was a good year a lot of changes and uh obviously we started this in 2019 so we'll keep it going yeah yeah we'll keep our uh, radio voices going on today on thursday you got it chris that's right roll the outro